Good evening, American Horror Story cult fans. We are back for another recap this week. I am your host, Giandra LaBeouf. Welcome to the official Bad Culture American Horror Story cult after show called Relapse. Once again, I'm your girl, Giandra LaBeouf, and we are going to talk tonight's episode. Woo! Things are heating up. After a few questionable weeks about how the show was going, it has really picked up steam in this week's episode and last week's episode. So we are going to get into all things American Horror Story right now. Before we get started, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor. We are now sponsored show, Undeterred T-shirt line. Make sure you take a make, make sure you visit undeterred at bit.bigcartel.com and pick up their signature tees. If you want to make a statement out there, they are the place to do it. Remember undeterred.bigcartel.com. Pay them a visit and give them a holler. Again, American Horror Story. It is really, really heating up tonight with episode number. We are up to episode number five of season seven. Tonight's episode was called Holes, and a lot of holes are starting to get plugged up to in all these gaps we've been seeing in the storyline thus far. We are seeing the emergence of the leaders of the cult along with Kai. Looks like Beverly is really stepping up to take a leadership role in the cult and make her presence known. Who knows? If we keep an eye on her, she might overthrow and take over the whole thing herself. But Let's just stick to tonight's episode and get through the recap. The episode tonight kicked off with the cult gathering to plan a murder that will incite fear among the people because thus far what they've been doing as Americans have been becoming desensitized to heinous killings because it happens so often. So they're thinking about what they could possibly do to put themselves on the map to make them stand out and continue to incite fear in the people so that Kai can make his ascension up the political ranks and take a leadership role in the country starting at the city council level. So they meet at the house, and it's the first time we see Ivy introduced as an official member of the cult. Last week we saw her getting kind of indoctrinated into what the cult is doing, but this week she is a full-fledged member of the cult who shows up to the meeting at late. And if you remember, she joined the cult because she was mad at Allie for voting for Jill Stein instead of voting for Hillary Clinton in the last election. So now she is a full-fledged member of the cult and ready to get the dirty work done with Kai and Beverly and the rest of the crew. Meanwhile, her now separated ex-wife, separated, I don't think they're divorced or whatever they call themselves doing, they're not together anymore. Ivy has moved out of the house. She is part of the cult. She's living elsewhere. She's taking the boy Oz. She's taking the money. And essentially, Ivy is trapped in their big, bodacious house all by herself with the inability to pay the bills or make ends meet because all of the money that she has is tied up in the restaurant that they have together. So we see Allie talking to her therapist about a nightmare she's been having involving bugs crawling out of her skin. So intense was this nightmare that she sat and she clawed at herself in her sleep trying to get these bugs out of her skin. In addition to to that sense of uh, dread and deterioration of her mind, it's affected her ability to see her son Oz that she has with Ivy. Ivy has only agreed to supervise visits that they can do within the rest within the restaurant. 
and it, you can see the detachment. It was already starting to happen when Winter was working as their nanny, but now that Allie is completely out of the home and completely away from Oz, the detachment is growing and growing, and he goes so far as to call his second mom weird. That's pretty sad stuff. I'd hate if my kid didn't want to see me and started calling me weird. So once the supervised visit is complete, Ivy goes along to, you know, the workings of the cult now that she's a fully indoctrinated member and she joins along with Winter and they carpool over to their weekly cult meeting. I'm sure their meetings are far more interesting than the local PTA meeting because they are definitely not discussing milk and cookies and bake sales. So they go over to the cult for their next meeting and what they have come to the conclusion is what their efforts so far haven't been what they needed them to be to incite fear. So they have decided that they are going to kill Bob. Now to flash back to last week's episode, we remember Bob. Bob is Beverly's um, boss at the news station and he's kind of an asshole. He's not very supportive and he's having an affair with the young hot thing whose name we never, we never even knew because she was only there for one episode. We know her from previous seasons from Coven and all the other previous seasons, but this season she just has kind of a cameo role. So they go over there and they decide that they are going to kill Bob. But the key to killing Bob is to do it in such a heinous fashion that it really gets the public's attention because the serial killer thing that they've been going with so far hasn't been very effective. So they go over, they put on their clown suit, they go over to kill Bob. Bob's over there chilling. He's trying to have some Neapolitan ice cream. He's got his tidy whities on. He's just in for the night. He's got a nice house, too. Everybody on this show has a nice house. Nobody lives in the hood. I mean, nobody. But, yeah, everybody's got a nice house over there. So they go over to kill Bob, but ha-ha, the joke's on them. They get there. Bob's not even really scared. They're getting ready to do the kill shot. They've decided in their whole infinite plot to kill Bob, to make it look heinous, that they're going to videotape the thing. They're going to send it to the news station, quote-unquote, to Beverly. And while they're killing him, they're going to chant some Latin satanist kill stuff kill language in Latin because Latin is inherently scary according to Kai but they get there and Bob is not as scared as he should be and he goes and he says but who's going to take care of it if you kill me it's in the attic what's in the attic you say let's go upstairs and find out turns out Bob was a freak too Bob had a man hanging from the ceiling hanging for some hooks on some some saddle masochistic type of thing he had his own freak thing going They should have just kept him and put him in the cult because it looked like he was really, really down. So they kill the guy who's hanging from the hooks in the ceiling with a mask on to kill him. It looked kind of like, what's the movie with Jennifer Lopez? The Cell, except the hooks are in his skin and not in a suit. So they kill the guy hanging from the ceiling in the hooks. And then they finally start back with their satanist, whatever, chanting because they're ready to kill Bob. But right before they're about to do the final kill, Beverly says, wait take the camera off me she takes off her hood and reveals herself because she wants bob to know it's cracking and she puts an axe right in the middle of his head ouch beverly you a cold piece man i didn't know you had it in you so beverly gives the kill the kill blow that takes bob out of it and a hooky hangy guy he's dead too well really I don't know why this stood out to me. I should have noticed it before, but I really got a good look. They're all wearing their clown masks to do the killing. 
Does Kai's mask have dildos on it? I'm trying to figure out why he's got a dildo in the top and on both sides. Why does he have dicks on his head? I don't know. Looks kind of weird. I don't understand why he's doing it. But they kill Bob. It's a wrap. Beverly reveals herself. And then next thing you know, fast forward to the next scene, Beverly's out looking great in front of the... This is Beverly reporting live where my boss Bob has been killed. Ooh, imagine that. Bob is killed and she is our first reporter on the scene. Going back a little bit, she tells the cult during their community meeting that they're getting suspicious of why she's getting tipped off to all these murders. I'd be afraid of that too. She's trying to put it together that it's a serial killer. He's not ready to buy into it because it's already been undermining everything she's done at the station. So it's no surprise that you've got all these killer these killings in ritualistic fashion and he's not buying into it. But you know what? Beverly handled it. She put an ax in his skull and it's a wrap. I don't think she'll ever have that problem again. And it makes me wonder, does she get a promotion now that he did? Like, how does that work? How does the hierarchy work? Oh, well, at any rate, clearly whoever is still left there, they must like Beverly. So there's that. So we're back. We go to commercial. We come back. Act number three, as I'd like to call it, after the second commercial break. Beverly and Kai sit down. Beverly and Kai seem to have a certain... um, closeness that no one else in the cult has. They have this just unique ability to connect. At first, I thought the connection between Kai and Winter was intense, but the connection between Kai and Beverly is pretty amazing and pretty ruthless. And ultimately, we see Beverly might be a little bit more down than Kai is. So they sit down and they're locking fingers and they're discussing future plans for the cult. And what they've noticed is There are some members of the cult that just don't seem to share the same agenda and the same bloodthirst that they have to change the direction of the country, as they say. So we see them flashing back, thinking back to when the coffin murders occurred. As you may recall, there was a murder early in the season. I think it was in episode two or three. I can't remember what episode it was, but where we first see the cult as a collective doing a killing and they go and they find this couple and they put them in coffins and the woman has the fear of being enclosed and they put them in some coffins and they nail them in there and they smother them to death. And while the killing took place, there were clearly some members of the cult who felt a little queasy and uneasy about it and didn't want to continue to go through and wanted to let them out. But they did it, and the people suffocated to death. So now we flash forward back to Kai and Beverly, and they have made the the decision that they need to take out the person in the cult who was the weakest link, and that person revealed themselves when they did the killing with the coffins. So who is the weakest link? We saw several people who had kind of an uneasy feel into doing the coffin killings, but that's up to them to decide, and we find out who it is a little bit later. So we flash, we flash back to the present time where we see Allie in her window in fear, locked in her house. Usual Allie thing. She didn't know she did cry this episode. So we've got crying Allie back. We should make her into the meme, like a crying Jordan or a crying um, Daniel Cormier for you MMA fans. But anyway, so Allie's in her window with the lights on watching through a telescope. Why didn't she cut the lights out? Nobody noticed her in the window with the telescope. I don't know. But anyway, she's watching um, the neighbor across the street, Harrison. Harrison, a.k.a. the Gabers, as I like to call them. 
Harrison is moving a big, heavy bag out of his car, and he seems to be struggling with it. And he's a pretty muscular guy because I think he was a trainer. Yeah, he's a trainer. So he's struggling to get this big bag out of the car, and she watches as he struggles and pulls it in. She pans the telescope to the side, and she sees him kiss his gay lover, and she's thinking, hmm, where is Meadow? So she goes creeping over there. I don't understand her. For somebody so scary, the only thing more powerful than her fear is her nosiness. Her nosy ass is always going over to see something that doesn't concern her. That fear does not, fear paralyzes her from everything in life except her ability to be nosy. So she goes over there with a bat. I don't know what she's going to do with that because her scary ass is not going to wield the bat properly. She needs to go with a gun. But that's a whole, she's probably anti-gun though. You know, she's a real leftist kind of person. So I don't know. She probably ain't got no guns. Anyway, so she goes over there and she creeps around the back because she doesn't see Harrison and his boyfriend. And she sees a grave dug in the back. And she peers over into the grave. And who is down there? Nobody but Meadow begging for help. She runs away, she locks herself in a home, and she calls the police. And the next thing you know, she calls 911. It's too busy. 911 is a joke in your town. We know it. Shout out to Public Enemy. So she instead calls Ivy to let her know, yo, it's going down across the street. I'm scared. They got metal down in the grave. Ivy's like, what the hell are you talking about? Because she didn't know about the plan to take out metal. But why she's saying that, Meadow comes back over and uh, tells her, they're a cult. They're a cult. And then she gets snatched back up by presumably Harrison and his, and his gay boyfriend, the new gaybers. They are now the new gaybers and she's out of the picture. And what's funny about this whole scene is Allie is Allie and everybody else is themselves, but the change starts to happen in Ivy. I don't think she really thought that this whole cult thing was was real she liked it when it rid her of her problems the crazy guy at her restaurant but to go on killing other people wasn't really with the agenda she thought she was signing up for so she looks remorseful and uh goes over to the latest cult meeting and asks where meadow is and she doesn't get an answer and everybody's looking at her kind of suspect uh-oh ivy are you in danger girl you better be careful so they convene their meeting and Kai tells the remaining members that they've got to basically trim the fat and cut out the cancer and find the weak link. And when they go into a back room, we discover one of the cult members, RJ, is taped to a chair and they kill him in one of the most vile deaths I've ever seen on a TV show, even on The Wire. They get a nail gun. And they take turns putting nails in this man's head until he dies. Good grief. Snoop and Chris Partlow would be so proud because they used the nail gun in the vacants, but I don't think they really killed anybody with a nail gun. But, man, poor RJ got that work. They just took turns in a circle like on some Russian roulette putting nails in his head. Good God. How violent. That just looked bad. I couldn't even look. I had to look through my fingers, but I kept looking. So now we've uh, trimmed the fat. We've tr effectively trimmed two members of the cult. What's interesting, nobody else brings up metal except Ivy. So I have to wonder, is Kai okay with them killing 
Meadow, will he be upset that they went kind of rogue and did their own thing to eliminate her from the cult without his okay? That'll be revealed, I'm sure, in the next few episodes if uh, you've got members out there doing their own thing and not yielding and bending to his authority and running things by him before they act. But we will find out what happens with them. I think he's going to be upset that they went rogue and killed somebody without his permission. Fast forwarding to the next part of the show, we finally find out who Kai is exactly. Kai and Winter for that matter. It turns out that Kai is a product of a family. He had a dad who was a lawyer and a mom who's a housewife. But after the dad had a serious accident, a motorcycle accident, he became con- confined to a wheelchair, presumably paralyzed from the waist down, and he just became a complete dick. Abusive, verbally abusive to the mother, probably physically abusive in some senses, and to his son, and ordered them around. And eventually, a woman was fed up, no R. Kelly, and she shoots him and then shoots herself. And Beverly tells Kai, you know, I don't really believe this story that this is a true you. I'm a reporter. I know what happens in this town. But Kai tells her, we didn't get rid of the body. We never called the police. Well, what they did was he called his brother so they can figure out what to do with the bodies. And guess who his brother is? None other than Ali's therapist. This whole town is in on this, on this cult. Where is this city at? Where do they live? Because clearly they don't live in Gardena or Inglewood or like me. Maybe they live out in like Simi Valley or someplace where they can get these kind of things going without anybody noticing. So he calls his brother, the therapist, over. They put lie on the parents' bodies and they seal them up with a room because the therapist is concerned that it's going to affect his growing early. These are the early stages of his uh, psychiatry practice, and he doesn't want to ruin that. So they lock the buddies up in the room and then winter comes home for a break. Cause presumably she's in school and she's mad that nobody told her. So we find out that the therapist and Kai and winter are all brother and sister in this cult. And they're born of this cult because, well, we don't even know if the psychiatrist brother is fully in the cult yet. I'm sure he is, but it was all born of these crazy abusive parents Exactly what the therapist brother's role in the cult is remains to be seen. Maybe he's anti-cult. Maybe he's pro-establishment. We don't know what he is, but we do know that Kai and Winter are his younger brother and sister. So that happened back in 2014. And so now that Beverly knows all this, I think she essentially knows where Kai's weak point is for future for future reference, because she got him that the bodies are still there in the house. She is a reporter. She is smart, and she is cold-blooded and cutthroat. So I have a feeling in the next couple episodes or when we, you know, reach the arc to the end of the season that she will use this information against him to ascend in power in the cult because it's coming. We can see it already. She has far more ice in her veins than Kai ever will. And every week we see a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Or maybe they will just be just buddies and just reign atop the cult with each other. And that's it. So this week we found out about who Kai really is. He's got siblings. 
poor Meadow. We don't know. She might not even really be dead. She might just be tied up somewhere. We never technically saw her get killed. We know that Ivy is fully indoctrinated in the cult. Little Oz is somewhere confused because he only got one mom now. He thinks he's got three moms because he asked if Nanny is his new mom. Allie's over there losing her mind, but she looks like she's getting a bit more secure because now she knows that something is not right and it's not her imagination because Meadow confirmed it for her. American Horror Story is heating up, baby. The cult is growing and shrinking every week. We're seeing new members. It looks like next week, we saw the preview of next week where the authorities and other reporters are going to get involved. So we are still getting new characters. So there's still a long way that the story can go for us to enjoy. And that's it, friends. That's all I got. I'm going to keep watching. I'm glad it's starting to heat up and it's getting more twists and turns and confusing. I'm really, con- I'm really excited to see what the deal is with the therapist's brother. I want Ivy to grow a pair because she's too scary for me. I'm ready for her to step out and take control. Ivy is looking a little remorseful. I want to see what she's going to do. She's going to stick with it or she's going to back out and they're going to have to kill her. Meadow, where is Meadow at? Where you at, girl? Send out a kite or a SOS so people can come find you. And that's it for this week's show. Make sure you keep tuning in each and every week. We're going to recap American Horror Story, Cult, all the way to the end of the season. I'm getting hyped. If you ever want to call in during the show, the number is 718-508-9852. I probably should have said that at the top of the show, but I'm talking a whole lot, and I'm trying to look at Twitter, and it's on in the background, and I'm trying not to look at it and get distracted from the show. Again, follow me on Twitter at Giandra LeBeuf, J-E-A-N-D-R-A-L-E-B-E-A-U-F. And tune in each and every week for the American Horror Story Cult After Show. I love doing these. I'm going to have to do more of them in the future. That's the end of our show, and good night.